Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to church. Uh, as you can see, we are here, or I am here, in the middle of our kids' room, and we are still in the thick of renovations, and we are super excited to show you in the coming weeks what we have achieved over the last few months, ever since Vision Builder Sunday, where we launched the completion uh, dream for our five-phase renovation plan. We are almost on the tail end of finishing that. Um, and I want to just thank again everyone who's come along and helped and rolled up their sleeved and, and, and donated their efforts, their skills to, to make this all happen. Um, and there is still plenty of work to do. So if you've got a spare hour or so or a day or a week or a month, uh, could you just let us know? We'd love to have as many people as possible helping, cleaning, moving stuff, painting stuff, whatever it is. Um, many hands make light work and we just want to create a beautiful space uh, that reflects the beautiful heart of our God. So that people come here and they are overwhelmed by a sense of beauty and awe and that points them to the, the beauty and awe that resides in the heart of God. And so uh, we are super excited uh, to, to show you all that we've done, but uh, for now, we're going to jump into today's message. Uh, if you are new to this series, above all else, we are talking about um, guarding our heart. Proverbs 4.23 talks about above all else, guard your heart. And if the Bible tell, tells us to be above all else, to, to the highest priority is guarding our heart, then we should pay attention and lead into that. And so one way we're doing that is, is just studying through Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, and, and looking at 12 spiritual disciplines that are really going to help us on the pathway to discipleship, to grow us as followers, to uh, help us draw nearer to the heart of God. Uh, there is, there's two pandemics on this planet at the moment, COVID-19 and also a pandemic of secondhand spirituality, where people feed off other people's revelations, people allow other people to do the heavy lifting of their faith for them so that they can just sit back and enjoy uh, the fruit of that. But, but we're trying to push back against that and encourage each other and, and teach each other and, and together uh, pursue God and chase God for ourselves so that we have a direct uh, connection with God, not via anybody else, but just directly connecting to the source of life itself, which is Jesus. And so today we're going to just dive into the fourth discipline we're looking at. We've looked so far at meditation. Pastor Steve Godfrey two weeks ago looked at prayer. Uh, last week we looked at fasting. And today we're going to dive into the spiritual discipline of study, which is awesome. So um, the purpose of these disciplines... Oh, sorry, before we do that, I forgot. How did you go with your... Um, ponder and practice last week. Last week we set the challenge um, for us to think about how we could put fa uh, fasting into a regular um, pattern in our life. How did you go with that? Did you decide that you could do it weekly or fortnightly or monthly or maybe an annual fast? Um, I just think it'd be great if we somehow put these uh, practices into a regular um, pattern of our lifestyle. And also on Tuesday we did a 24-hour uh, fasting um, exercise for the whole church. How did you go with that? Did you find that easy? Did you find it difficult? Uh, what did you learn about God in that process? What did you learn about yourself? Um, hopefully that was a, a, a great challenge and experience for you in denying the flesh so that we could uh, encounter God in the spirit. But today, uh, as I said, we're looking at study. Um, and, and as all the spiritual disciplines, the purpose uh, is to transform the, per the, the person. Um, these, these practices aim at identifying and replacing old destructive habits with brand new life-giving ones. And so if, if we have a habit, just looking at last week, a habit of indulgence, a habit of selfishness, a habit of just uh, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, a discipline like fasting is going to 
help break that destructive habit of, of selfishness by replacing it with a life-giving habit of selflessness where we connect with God through denying our flesh. And these disciplines are all aimed at doing that, at, at helping stop bad habits, create new habits so that we can grow closer to God. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this very profound thing. It says, be transformed by renewing your mind. And that seems like such a simple concept. And in theory, I guess it is. But in reality, it's quite difficult. But the way you and I get transformed is by renewing our mind. It's, it's thinking about what we think about. Um, the mind is renewed when we apply it to the things that are able to renew us. So we look at what Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 8. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is uh, just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What a great commandment from Paul. Find all the things around you that are beautiful, wonderful, noble, honorable, amazing, and think on these things because we are transformed by renewing our mind. And so the discipline of study is the primary vehicle that's going to take us to a place of transformation because we're going to renew our mind to the beautiful things of God's word, the beautiful things of the world around us so that we can be all he has called us to be. Um, Richard Foster in the book we're studying, Celebration of Discipline, says that um, so many Christians remain in bondage to fears and anxieties because they do not avail themselves to the discipline of study. So many Christians struggle and wrestle, and sometimes unnecessarily so, with fears and anxieties simply because they don't avail themselves or surrender themselves or discipline themselves with the, the beautiful practice of study. And that got me thinking like that that would be true in, in my experience and, and, and dealing with people I think that's, that's, that's definitely a fair point um, and, and to, to example that I, I remember pre-COVID remember when you used to be able to get into a plane and fly places and what would take six hours only took one um, because these beautiful things called airplanes existed um, good days good days I remember when I used to fly semi-regularly like a few times a year um, and there was a period there where um, I would actually get quite fearful um, and I'd hop in the plane and I'd sit in my seat and they'd do the safety briefing. And, um, and, and then I would just think about, oh, my gosh, here is, you know, tons and tons and tons of steel that's going to get projected in the sky. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I understand basically how gravity works. And that is ridiculous. You're telling me that this big steel canister is going to get projected in the sky. And, and I had flown, you know, dozens of times before that. But still, each time I, I was just fearful. I'd feel these anxieties in my stomach about what happens if it just falls out of the sky. It's going to make a big mess. Um, I'll be gone, that's for sure. Um, and then I remember the, the words of a mate of mine. He said, just play the numbers. I was like, play the numbers. And so every time I sit in an airplane and I feel these fears come over me, I play the numbers. And what that means is I think to myself, how many times has this plane taken off and landed today? If I'm on the afternoon flight, has it had three trips on that route today? Okay, there's three trips today where it's gone back and forth. Let's say 200 people on the plane. That's 600 people have gone before me today. If there was five flights yesterday, well, that's 1,000 people that went yesterday. And then, then the rest of the week, there was like every day. So there's like 5,000 people just this week have gone back and forth on this one route. And if I take that over a whole year, that is so many people and so many trips back and forth and never once have I heard a news report about a crash plane on this route or anything like that. So when I crunch the numbers, just the sheer statistics 
and facts of a situation help alleviate my anxiety and my fear to go, you know what, what I am buying into with this fear isn't actually real and the truth indeed does set you free and I'm able to relax in a plane and still those anxieties, still those fears will creep up inside of me, but I know, play the numbers game, crunch the numbers and then I can actually rationale myself down to know that you know those fears aren't necessary for me to hold on to, I can release those things. And Richard Foster sort of says the similar thing that happens to Christians is we unnecessarily have the, hold on to these fears about life, these worries and concerns about our situations that nine times out of ten will never ever occur and simply because we don't study God's word or understand God's word, we don't realize who we are in Christ, nor do we sometimes realize um, what we have in Christ, and therefore we allow these fears and worries to overtake us, and we don't live a life of freedom and victory that God calls us to live as his children, because we're not simply playing the numbers by studying the scriptures and realizing, hold on a minute, God's got the whole world in his hands, if he is for me, who could be against me, and there are so many scriptures, like I think of like Mark and Sue Wolf, uh, incredible examples of this. Um, over the last five years have literally been to hell and back, just facing so much trial and tribulation one after the other. But the thing is with those guys is they have every reason to be filled with fear, every reason to be filled with anxiety, but they play the numbers. They, they, they read the scriptures. They know the promises of God. They declare the promises of God. And when they know the facts about who they are in Christ and what they have in Christ, then the fears around what they have in this life start to subside because the bigger God is, the smaller problems become. The bigger we see God, the smaller we see the circumstances around us. And the only way we see God bigger is by studying his word and understanding what it says. And so that's the discipline we're going to talk about today is the discipline of study. It is different to to like meditation um, uh, that that is completely different um, meditation is more devotional um, uh, and but study is more analytical it's really nutting down the the, the nitty-gritty of it all um, so here are four steps to consider that, that um, Foster puts in his book um, around the idea of study and that is um, first of all uh, repetition uh, repetition puts the, the regular channels in our mind of information and, um, and puts us in a specific direction of forming um, habits of study. So repetition, so making sure that we are having a consistent time and a place, a consistent duration in God's word or whatever it is we are studying. We are putting our mind in the channel of frequency to form a habit of consistency in our world. Um, concentration is the next thing to consider that um, we need to focus our energy and intention on what we are studying. The human brain is amazing. We have thousands of... Lots of work going in the background, which is awesome. But we have thousands of stimuli each day coming at us from all different sources. And so we are able to process those things at a rapid speed. Um, uh, images, thoughts, ideas, uh, equations, problem solving. Um, all these things come to us at, at all times and all day. And when we channel our concentration and the ability to take on all of those stimuli, if we can challenge that to concentrate on one particular thought or one particular stream of thought through study, then we have 
have this exponential strength and power to really draw out from the content matter that we are studying. It's almost like, um, like, like a magnifying glass when we concentrate the, the rays of light that come from the sun to a fine point. At that fine point is incredible power to like start fire or, or whatever. And so study is like that. It's concentrating all of our ability to, to, to um, receive information and channeling it into one specific thing to draw out the power that that thing we are studying has. The third thing is comprehension. Um, at one point or another, we've all been in a place where we've studied, 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 and thinking we'd never fully get it, then bang, we have this light bulb moment where it's like, I finally get it. I, I comprehend, I understand what it is I'm studying. And we have those aha moments where we go, Eureka, this is amazing. I finally get it. And it's in those moments that we get a, a, a whole other level of growth and a whole other level of freedom when that thing um, jumps off a page and becomes life in our heart. And it's sort of like this concept that um, I've completely stolen from Kerry Newoff, which I use to then um, train people in, in speaking and different things that they do in either presenting at church or uh, if it's working um, in an activity that I used to work in where I train people to, to, to deliver content, um, is to not memorize what you're about to say, but simply devote yourself to understand the content. Because to memorize something is to put in far more energy than perhaps you have to memorize certain words or paragraphs or sentences or, or things like that. It's a beautiful sound. Um, but if we, if we have a goal to understand a subject matter, then when we get that aha moment, we will simply draw upon words we already know uh, as a framework to then deliver that content. So uh, rather than memorize a speech, what are you trying to say in that speech? Okay, I'm trying to get this point across. Okay, well, once you understand that, then talk about that. And you, your body will find the words to understand that. So comprehension is the next key point of study. So we have repetition. Uh, we have, um, what was this, the second one? Concentration. Then we have this comprehension, which leads to the fourth point, fourth point which is reflection. Um, this defines the significance of what we are studying, where we get to then, once we understand it and we comprehend it, then we can reflect on how does that then inform or how does that then change my world? How can I then apply that or how can I then show that, that principle or that truth to other people? Um, when it comes to study, this, the, the discipline of study requires humility. Um, and the, the main reason why is because it... it we have to, in order to be disciplined by study, we have to come and approach it as the student, not as the teacher. We can't come in with our preconceived ideas thinking, oh, we know best, and I'm just going to get this subject matter to confirm what I already know. We have to come in with an open mind as a student, which takes humility to surrender our, uh, our preconceived ideas uh, and, and be willing to learn from whatever it is we're studying, especially God's word. Arrogance and teachability are, are polar apart. They, they cannot coexist. If we bring arrogance into this area of study, then we will never learn because we are positioning ourselves as the teacher, not as the student. And it's the other way around if we are to effectively be disciples. So then, moving on to the, to the bulk of this message, and I'll try and get through this pretty quickly, but Foster talks about two books that we study in life. There is a verbal book and a non-verbal book. Um, verbal books are literal books that we would read, um, articles, journals, um, textbooks, and also uh, maybe people's uh, t preaching and, and, and messages that people would give. So it's an actual literal content is verbal books that we all learn from. And then there are non-verbal books, which is basically um, looking at uh, social trends and cultures, looking at people's behaviors, and then being a student of learning why does 
that happen? Why do they behave that way? Why is society constructed in that way? And so it's learning from a, a non-verbal book. And so we're going to break down real quick what those two things are and, and how they can benefit us in this uh, discipline of study. Um, so when it comes to, to, to verbal books, like actual books, um, uh, many people get tripped up thinking, well, because I know how to read, I know how to study. Um, and that's not necessarily true. And that's where we, we come unstuck is because studying is more than just being able to decipher what those letters arranged in that order, what word they make and what words assembled together to make a sentences. No, no, studying is far deeper than that. There's, there's three aspects to study. And, and we are really good at number three, but the first and second we sort of tend to skip. And the, the first one is um, understanding the book, which is what is the author saying? So understanding the book. Um, the next is interpreting the book. Is like, well, what does the author mean? So, okay, what has he written? Um, what does he mean? And the third is uh, evaluating the book. Is, is the author right or is the author wrong? And so we, we can always, we genuinely, as people skip to the third one going, oh, no, nah, he's right, I don't believe that. No, nah, oh, yeah, no, nah, he's, um, he's wrong, I don't believe that. Oh, yeah, he's right or, or whatever. But we skip these two vital uh, parts of the study process, which is understanding and interpreting. What has the author said? What did, he, um, what did he mean by that? And then we deduct, okay, do I align myself with that view or, or not? And a, a student does those three things well in that order. What did they say? What did they mean? What do I think? Um, and we often come with this what do I think mentality because we live in a, a fast-paced society. We want the answer now. We want the, the Wikipedia search result. We want the, the quick fix, the drive-through information, the drive-through revelation, which is part of that, that systemic problem of second-hand spirituality where we want somebody else to do the heavy lifting. We want somebody else to, um, to understand the book. We want somebody else to uh, interpret the book and then we'll just avail what we think on the back end of it. But we, we have to, as students of life, of students of God's word, um, discipline ourselves to go through those stages uh, ourselves. Um, as I said earlier, um, the, the study of scripture, when we study it, not, have, not, not just meditate, which is more devotional, but study is more analytical, um, the, the result is uh, interpretation. So what does that scripture mean? That's what studies. We want to get down to the nitty-gritty of what does it mean. Whereas if we took a, um, a devotional reading of Scripture, which is more um, uh, about application, then we start asking questions like, what does that Scripture mean for me? And so we can jump the meaning of the text to find the meaning for us. And that's problematic as well. It's, it's really important we understand what the Scriptures mean, then go, well, what does that mean for me? Not just, what is it? I'm just going to find my coffee cup, Christian scripture mug and, and go with that um, but what does scripture mean and then what does it mean for me um, so that basically s summarizes um, the, the reading of, of, of actual books and in particular the Bible um, and, and remember the whole goal that we come to scripture for is transformation not information the reason we study scripture is not so that we can become pious, not so we can become super religious and know more than other people. The whole point of coming to scripture is for transformation, not an acclamation or, or, or accumulating uh, more information. Nonverbal books. Um, this is, like we said, uh, the observation of uh, the reality of things, events and actions. Um, so we should be attentive to uh, relationships, seeing how people tick, seeing what upsets people, what makes people respond the way they do. Um, and, and, and not to, 
not to judge people or not to be critical of people. That's never the goal. Um, the goal is more self-reflective. So if I've noticed that that person responds that way, well, how do I respond in that situation? And, and, and how could I help that person if I've studied them, studied society, studied culture? How can I then be equipped to then better help somebody, not, not elevate myself above them or judge them because they, they respond a certain way, but how is it that I can be a catalyst for change for them? Or what is it that I can learn about myself and how I relate so that I can um, grow through that? When it comes to studying culture, I think it's really important to, um, to ask questions like, well, what, what does our culture value? The culture we live in in 2020, what does it value? Not what it says it values, because I can guarantee you when you look at modern culture, when you look at contemporary culture, what they say they value doesn't at all reflect the way they behave and through their behavior actually demonstrates what they um, value. So questions to ask um, are... Why are drop saws so loud? That's a great question. Can, can they develop a silencer for drop saws? I, I don't know. Maybe that's something you could study and figure out. Um, great question to ask about a culture is um, what are the pros and cons or what are the assets and liabilities of living in a technological society? These are really healthy questions to ask. Um, I recently watched um, the, the Social Dilemma, which is a, a, a documentary on, on Netflix, and it was very eye-opening to look at the technology industry and how it operates and I would encourage you to watch it um, don't take my word for it don't don't draw your your conclusions from my conclusions but it's very interesting to see how technology which can actually be a blessing can actually also be a curse if we don't use it and manage it well because technology like anything is a wonderful servant but a terrible master and if we allow it to control us and allow it to to allow ourselves to be its slave it's going to take us to a very dark place uh, not just individually but as a society so we're going to ask ourselves questions what are the the, the the benefits and what are the um, the, the non-benefits because I've lost the word there of living in a technological answer, uh, age and what does that look like for our life um, asking questions like, well, what has what the fast food industry done to not only our physical health, um, but what has it done to the tradition of sitting around a table having a meal together? Has the fast food industry completely changed the culture of families because it's now about convenience and speed rather than about relationship and eating together at the table? Um, why do we find it so hard to initiate and develop strong relationships? Um, these are sorts of really good questions to ask to study society and to study culture. Um, and what parts of our culture are compatible with the gospel and what parts of our culture are incompatible with the gospel and how do we bridge the gap and how do we work in that frame? How do we work in a society where elements are incompatible and how do we maximize areas of society that are compatible with the gospel? So, final thoughts, a lot of information, study is one of those areas you can get bogged down in really quick and I don't want to do that. Um, but as we said, said in the beginning, um, the purpose of spiritual disciplines, all these spiritual disciplines is twofold. It is um, the transformation of the person, that's the whole point, we, we get transformed uh, and, and it's because we are connecting with God. In and of themselves, these disciplines are, are not that powerful, not that great, they're just simply uh, tools or channels or vehicles that help us get to a place where God transforms us by a beautiful relationship with him directly. Uh, they aim at replacing old, damaging habits and lifestyles with beautiful, life-giving habits and lifestyle that will ultimately bring about our transformation. Remember, Romans 12.2, we are transformed by renewing our mind. So, what are you thinking about? Do you think about what you think about? 
Do you have a, a study um, regimen in your life where you really try to not just have a, a devotional um, uh, time in God's Word, but an analytical time in God's Word where you try to draw out what does Scripture mean? Not just for me, but what does it actually mean? And then how can I transform my life by renewing my mind to that. So this week's homework, ponder and practice are going to be combined into one. And here is my challenge for you. Over the next six days, Monday through Saturday, I want you to find five to ten minutes. And I want you to every single day read the book of Philippians. Right? Read the book of Philippians. Because here's my concern. I I fear that um, as a society we're becoming biblically literate. Because we just go for these little standalone scriptures and we don't actually read context and things um, as much as we ought to. So um, read the book of Philippians, the four chapters. Uh, It'll take you about 10 minutes to read through it. And then write down, what do I learn about God? What do I learn about myself? And then every day, read it again. Read the book of Philippians. So we'll read the book of Philippians six times this week. And then each time, ask the Holy Spirit to highlight something new, something fresh, something different. And I guarantee you, you will, you will find that something different jumps out of the page in your heart and in your mind each and every time because the Holy Spirit has fresh manner, has fresh revelation, fresh insight for you every day. And so let's just see what that does as we discipline ourselves with study to understand the heartbeat of God, understand more about ourselves as we grow and are disciplined in this particular area. So... Go for it. Five to ten minutes. Read the book of Philippians every day this week. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for this incredible church. I thank you for all that is happening around us uh, today. And I just pray that you would bless us as we dive into your word this week, as we look at ways to bring um, study more into our everyday life. Just like last week, we looked at fasting and bringing that more into a regular pattern in our life. I thank you that you would help us bring study into a regular pattern in our life. And that from that, we would just uh, see an incredible um, harvest of not just information, but transformation as we become more like you. Bless us this week in Jesus' name. Amen.